0: Luke 10, verses 1 through 12. They read in Jesus' name. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, Lord, I am constantly amazed at the depths of it. And I ask that you would grant us wisdom to live out these words, Lord, to apply them to our lives. Father, that you might teach us how to minister in this world, Lord, where you are calling us. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's my clicker. All right, so I entitled this Opening Fields um, because that's, that's what the apostles, these apostles, the 72 apostles, and okay, so if I'm going to use that phrase, I actually probably should explain it. So an apostle is not just the 12. We have the 12 apostles, but then these are the 70 or the 72 apostles. The word apostle means one sent out. And so... Uh, they are a representative. They would be seen as like an ambassador. But an ambassador, so if you have an ambassador from Washington, D.C., do they stay in Washington, D.C.? No. They go out. And so an apostle, that's what an apostle is, one who goes out. And so you have the 12 apostles. They were special representatives of Christ. They were the foundations of the church. You could say, you say various things about the 12 but then you have, the, you have the 12, but here you've got the 72 under the 12, and then other apostles have been sent out all throughout the history of humanity. And so God, because God puts it in some to go forth. Uh, you could also see this as being evangelists too. Evangelists are a type of apostle, but they interact with the church differently. I'm not going to get into that. So aren't we all apostles? Because Jesus said go into all the world. With that, Are we all apostles? Yes, we are all apostles in the same way we are all evangelists, we are all pastors, we are all teachers, we are all um, prophets. We 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 all have the calling to express these things in all aspects of our lives. And there are some who exemplify specific aspects to a greater degree, who are especially gifted in these things and then given and sent out and often, sometimes this is called vocational ministry. Uh, I don't like that personally. I, I struggle with terminology when it comes to all these things because some people are especially sent to be apostles like I'm called to be a pastor and I'm specifically gifted in being a pastor. Just because you don't have, just because you don't hold the title of being a pastor doesn't mean that you're not going to do the work of a pastor. You know, I've, I've seen, I, I watched Peg today do the work of, the, of a pastor in Sunday school. Does that make Peg a pastor? No, not really. Just because she did the work of a pastor doesn't give her the office of pastor. And so just because you do the work of an apostle doesn't make you, doesn't give you the office, the title of apostle. And so as I go, if, you know, I went to Africa, I went to Uganda, I went to Tanzania, I went to Burundi, does that make me an apostle? No, I did the work of an apostle there, but that doesn't make me an apostle. Does that make sense? So we are all called to do this work, but some are called to do this work in especially focused manners. And so that's, w- those are the people that we would say are, they are an apostle. They embody this completely. So, sound good? Good question. Because we're going to be using these words, we might as well be on the same page. You know, otherwise, I'm just, yeah, I'm just confusing people. So these apostles, these evangelists, are going out and they're opening up fields. They're entering into I have a question. What's the difference between the apostles and disciples?: Every apostle should first be a disciple. And so you, the 12 disciples are and it, so they were, they were the 12 that Jesus especially discipled. And so they're the 12 disciples, but then, which is a good question. Because a disciple isn't an end. So we're all called to be disciples, but we don't end at disciple. Because a disciple then is also called to be a master. They're called to be a teacher. They're called to be a, one, a disciple maker. So each disciple is called to be a disciple maker. And so if any of you ever get to... So are you saying then at that point, is that somebody that's being taught how to go out and be an apostle? That am I interpreting there somewhat? Yep, Yeah, And so if, if you have the gifting of... You know, the, if you have the gifting and the call to be an apostle, God will send someone into your life to train you how to be an apostle. And so your first step is to be a disciple of Jesus. And then as you are a disciple of Jesus, he will either guide you through, um, it might just be through YouTube videos, or he might send an individual in your life. I have a friend named Kevin. I'm not going to tell you his last name, uh, though some of you know him. Kevin had the call to be a missionary. He, he really felt that, that call and um, he was a pastor's kid and then as he was seeking to obey that call, he didn't know how to do it and then randomly, he just met this guy who was also a, who was a missionary but through that random encounter, Kevin then was able to be trained in how to be a missionary. And so Kevin was, apostle, was a disciple of Jesus, and then he became an apostle as he was trained in that work as the apostolic work. And so, um, so your first step is to be a disciple. We're all called to be disciple makers, and we're all going to do that differently because we've got different gifts. So Gene's gifts are different than Mark's gifts, but both of you guys are called to be disciples <laughs> and disciple makers. Gene might be called to be an evangelist, whereas Ma- Mark might co- be called to be a preacher. That doesn't mean that neither of those are less than the other. They're just different giftings, so you're going to train and disciple in different ways. So the difference then is everyone's a disciple. Every Christian is a disciple, but not every Christian is an apostle. Just like not every Christian is a pastor. Not every Christian is a evangelist. But then, you know, like Doug's got the giftings of an evangelist. So then what does Doug do with those? Well, not only does Doug do the work of evangelist, but then he also trains others in how to do evangelism so that his giftings can spread out, the experiences that God has given him can spread out into the rest of the congregation. As a pastor, I have a hard time training people to be an evangelist. Why? Is it because I'm not a good teacher? No, it's because all of my giftings and all of my experiences guide me in being a pastor. That's just the way it is. But because of that, I can look at someone and interact with someone and say, you've got the giftings of a pastor. That doesn't make them a teacher, mind you, but they've got the giftings of a pastor. Does that make sense? This is from Ephesians. (laughs) I didn't think I'd be preaching from Ephesians today. (laughs) Any other questions? This might go a little longer today. Maybe our Zoom meeting won't won't happen at noon. Um, Good. All right, so they're opening the field. What does that look like? It looks like reliance. As as Christ starts this out, um, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. What's he calling them to do? He's saying, "All right, you guys, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to teach you how much you can rely on God. I'm going to teach you so that you can see the amount that God will provide for you, everything that God will give you. Therefore, take nothing with you, because and I was talking to the, the, children, the kiddos today about this. What's the difference between foolishness and wisdom? It, wisdom is action. So Solomon tells us there's a time to laugh and there's a time to mourn. So if you're at a funeral and everyone around you is sad and you just burst into raucous laughter, wouldn't that be appropriate? I think it probably wouldn't be appreciated. That would be acting foolishly. The fool doesn't know how to discern when and when not to, whereas the wisest person knows when and when not to. If you're at a comedy club and everyone around you is laughing and you're wailing, would that be appropriate? No. There would be time to leave. And so also it's wisdom. So wisdom knows the distinction. Here's the time to, here's the time not to. So with this, here Jesus is telling them, This is how you do things. But then at the crucifixion, right before the crucifixion, Jesus tells them to prepare. So is there a time to go out with nothing? Yes. Is there a time to prepare to go out? Yes. Can I tell you exactly which one is which? I don't have a metric. And so that's going to come to your relationship with Christ. Because sometimes you step out in faith, not being ready for it. Other times you spend your time preparing and then you step out in faith now having prepared but both of those are in faith so here he says this is the time when you can learn to rely on me so i'm going to send you out with nothing you have no money you have no ability to provide your own food you have no ability to get yourself new clothing you have no ability to bribe someone to to open doors because this is the roman you know this is roman times bribes went a long ways they really you know greased the mechanisms of our government of the government. And so if you wanted to open a door, what would you do? Give a little bit of money. That's how it worked in Burundi. You want something to happen, you had to have one of two things. You had to have authority, meaning you knew someone high in the government, or you had to have money. Period. Otherwise, the wheels of government would go really slow. So thankfully, I was there with someone who knew big people. So he just moved me ahead. I got my visa like that when he showed up, but prior to that, they were looking for money. It's like, I don't have any money. <laughs> I had a hundred bucks. And I was in Africa. So, yeah, and I had to get home. But no money. We rely on money. <coughs> but do we need money? Can we rely on God even without money? Yeah. So do we need money? No. Sometimes God provides with us through money. No food. Don't, provide any, don't bring yourself any provision. So then here, now you have to rely on the people. You have, to rely on, you have to rely on God even to feed you. You know, if God fed Elijah with the ravens, can God also feed us? So do I need to worry where my next meal is going to come from? Do I need to be thinking about these things at all points? Do I need to let them? No, that doesn't mean that I don't plan for my next meal. No, but am I worried? Am I allowing that to eat on me? Is that one of my motivations? It's not supposed to be. Because you can rely on God. And they were a walking testimony then to everybody they interacted with of the faithfulness of God. And so then we're called to be that same thing. This is how you open up fields. You live it out. You live out the testimony. And, you know, no sandals. So don't have extra stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to go into that one. And greet no one on the road. Don't, don't scheme, don't connive, Kenny. Can I ask another question? How come it's kind of a contradiction? Another place in the Bible, Peter says we work day and night so as to not be a burden to others. You're right. Or Paul, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul says that. And so there is, so that's the difference between then wisdom and foolishness because there is a time when, and this was, Paul said also then that he has the right But then he doesn't want to be a burden. He doesn't want to be an obligation. And I'm not, and Paul isn't doing wrong there. He, in his relationship with God, is using his job then as a witness. And so here, they're called specifically just be going and preaching. And so that's eating up all of their time. So then they don't have time to work and they're going for a short period because they're going to come back to Jesus, whereas this was Paul going out for an extended period too. So there's differences in circumstances. It's a good question because this isn't a contradiction. The circumstances change the way that they approach the people. And, okay, does that make sense? So the difference in circumstances, Paul, being an apostle, going out for months and years, is going to interact with that differently than these guys who are going out, who are going to be out for weeks. Now, you could fast for weeks, but you'd get kind of tired. And so, that as they went out, so then, yeah, I don't know how far to run down that. But if that makes sense, it's, it's that foolishness wisdom. The circumstances teach us how are we supposed to interact with this situation. So don't, don't have any plans. Don't greet anybody. Don't get in with the good graces of, of your friends because we're going into new lands. We as Christians aren't supposed to just allow this to sit with us. You know, we shouldn't just have Christian, Christian talk amongst Christian people. We need to be bringing Christ into other people's lives too. We need to be loving them. We need to be blessing them. We need to be showing this stuff in our very lives. And so don't make plans with your friends just to hang out with them. That doesn't mean that you don't have Christian fellowship because they're being sent out two by two. But that means that as we go out into this world, we need to actually be in this world. We need to make friends with non-Christians, even though that's sometimes hard. We need to interact with people who aren't living out their Christianity. If I say I'm not going to interact with them, they're not Christian enough. They're not spiritual enough for me. What good am I going to be for the kingdom of God? If I can't interact with anybody that's below me spiritually, I can't interact with the kingdom of God. I can't bless anybody. And so don't make those plans. And that's, that's for us as we're, interacting, as we're interacting with this world. We allow them to bless us, but we trust God. We trust God to be the one to provide. We trust God to be the one to fill us. We trust God to be the one to satisfy us. We trust God to be the one to open doors. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Now this is interesting because Jesus says, whatever house. It doesn't, so Rita Bodana, did you guys intentionally plan to go to Beth's house when you became foreign exchange students? That wasn't in your goal? You know, I know this lady Beth Freitag in St. James, Minnesota in that great town of St. James (coughs) and the wonderful area of southern Minnesota with all that topography and trees. Yeah, you signed up for this? You guys are brave. (laughs) But you didn't plan that. This is, this is where God led you. Think about that. This is the Holy Spirit working through the, I almost said adoption agency, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Only for a year. Temporary adoption agency. Um, no, through the foreign exchange program. This is the Holy Spirit working through that, bringing you to Beth's house. And this is the way that the world works. This was Ruth. Ruth happened, her, uh, the Hebrew is actually According to my Hebrew prof in seminary, her chance chanced to chance upon Boaz's field. Think about that. Her chance chanced to chance upon. This was just, there was no planning. It was just the Holy Spirit working in the invisible realm in such a way that Ruth happened to hit Boaz's field. She could have hit anyone else's field, but she was walking along. It's not like it glowed. Or, you know, there's this aura around her. There's a big sign that says, Ruth the Moabite, you are welcome here. It was just, I'm going to pick a field. That one. You know what? That was the work of God. Your chance, chance, <laughs> chance upon. Whatever house. Don't, don't be planning this. Trust God. Trust God. Can you trust God with your footsteps? Can you trust God to get you to a godly place? Can you trust God to get you you know, to to put you in the right direction. Whatever house you enter. Now, it might not be the right house. We'll get into that. But when you enter into that house, what do you bring? You've got no money. You've got no food. You've got no friends. You've got your buddy, your traveling companion, but what do you bring? You're a Christian. You bring peace. This is what we're called to bring. We are called to bring peace into this world. In order to do that, we have to first be a disciple. Is Jesus reigning in my life? Because what does Jesus give us? My peace I give to you. Peace unlike what the world gives. So does Christ reign in my heart? Is, Is there peace within? If there's not peace within, I can't give peace away. If I have no money, how much money can I give away? None. If I have no peace, I can't bring peace. And so I, th- so this is the disciples, this is God calling the disciples, this is Jesus calling the disciples, know my peace because as you come, bring peace. This is a gift greater than the world could give. Why do people want to have a lot of money? So that they can have peace. Why do people want the world controlled? So that they can have peace. What does a Christian have to bring into this world? Peace. Peace. Peace that's inside, not peace that's outside. Because a group of people at peace inside will bring peace outside. And so then we we bring the truth, we bring the trust of Christ, we bring that into this world. I'm going to make sure that I'm not ahead of myself. Okay. And then as they bring that peace, some are going to receive it. So then we interact with the individual, the individuals within the house. If a son of peace lives there, is that the way it says it? Lives there, is in there. Um, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. So you enter into that house, whatever house that is, that might be the Norell house, that might be the Larson house, that might be Beth's house, enter into that house and you bring peace. Peace be upon you. And if there's someone who loves God, someone who wants to grow in God, someone who wants to seek God, if a son of peace is there, someone whom God is working in, if they're there, they will receive you. This is the promise of God. They will receive you. But if they're not, if that person is not seeking God, as you bring, we were talking about this in our um, Lenten small group, as we bring, uh, Jim and I were talking about it this morning, um, is there any place where you're not going to be willing to invite Jesus to? You know, if I'm in a group and I don't want to bring Jesus up because then I might not be welcomed back, do you know what that means? That means there's not a son of peace there. If you bring Jesus up and you get rejected, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. And so then I should be willing to bring Jesus into every situation. Not that I'm heavy-handed and hard-hitting and, you know, (laughs) pulpit-thumping. I like doing that with a soft Bible instead of a hard one. There's part of me that's like, I don't want to hurt my Bible. Yeah, right? But if, if a son of peace is there, they will receive you. If an individual, we're not looking for the whole crowd. We're looking for one. All we need is one. Because what's that song? It only takes a spark. How many sparks does it take? One. So if there's a spark, what do we do? Praise God, I'm going to pour into that spark. Now what if there's 40 sparks? Praise God, i are going to pour into 40 sparks. But if there's one, we stay. We stay and we bless and we encourage because that's the son of peace and they need the kingdom of God and they need teaching and they need discipleship and they need growth and so we pour into that one and if there's nobody there, we say, all right, God's sending me somewhere else because the question is, is there more work to do? Yeah, I can stand there and knock my head against the wall but then there's work other places that's not getting done. So what do you do Well, you leave? So Joel, why did they always go with Good question. Are you, are you in greater danger alone or with a friend? Alone. Ask any woman that. You're walking in downtown Minneapolis. Do you want to be alone or do you want to be in a group? You want, Linda wants to be home. <laughs> yes, that's the way we should interact with this world, too. <laughs> Jesus, I just want to be home. <laughs> and, and so, why pairs? Because. Um, If I'm struggling and I don't have anybody to talk to, Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, I quoted this this morning, if the man who isolates himself seeks his own desires and rages against all sound judgment. And so if I'm going out and doing this stuff alone, I've got no one to hold me accountable and that means that when Satan tempts me and I listen to that temptation and I start making a deviation off to the left, there's nobody to correct me because I can't expect the world to correct me. The non-Christian, they don't know God's ways. They're not going to correct me. They're going to tell me, you know what? You have the right to feel that way. You have the right to curse them. Go ahead and curse them. You have the right to swear like that. You have the right to do that. And the world's going to lead us astray. And so what do I need? I need a fellow Christian to walk beside me and say, Joe, you're, you're angling left. Or Joe, you're angling right and you're not doing right. You're walking away from God's path. And so why did God always, why did Jesus always send them out in twos? Why did, why did Jesus give us marriage? So that we can, correct and guide each other. Because if I'm leaning a little bit to the left, like if you're, if you're testing a square for square, what do you do? Sit on the board, draw the line, flip it over, draw the line. You can tell if it's going square. If your square is square, if both of those lines are going the same direction. And so you have to set up two lines. Does that make any sense? Because that's what I actually means to try a square. <laughs> so, that's why we're sent out in pairs. That's why we have a congregation. That's actually one of the reasons for the congregation because my family is not enough because as head of my household, I could override my wife. And so then I need, I need Cheryl and Jean to correct me if they see my family going astray. Then I need Mark and Julie to correct me or to encourage me. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going the right direction. God, if I'm going the right direction. Mark and Julie would come up and say, Joe, I think you're going the right direction. We need the congregation. That's the purpose of the congregation. We're not getting here just because, hey, it's fun. Like, no, we need each other. If we're doing the work of ministry, we're going to need fellow Christians. Period. Period. If you're not doing the work of ministry, you're not walking with God, you know what? You don't need the fellow Christians then. Or at least, you won't know your need for the fellow Christians. So if you isolate yourself from the congregation, that's a bad sign. Always a bad sign. Yeah, that was a rabbit trail. But good question. Good question. I just took it too far. Sorry, Kevin. Remain. Remain in the house you entered into. Why? Don't always be seeking something better. You enter into a poor house and then you get to have a rich friend in that town. What's the temptation going to be? I want to go into the rich guy's house. They've got better food. We're not just eating rice and beans. They've actually got meat. Sorry, Rita, but, uh, you yeah, know. <laughs> Vegetarians. Yeah. I'm not making any, any jokes. But that, you know, if, if they don't have any money, I'm just getting bread. I want to have bread and oil. I want to have bread and, bread and oil. I want to have bread and butter. You know, I want that. I have to go to the big house to do that. Jesus is saying, don't look for what's better. God has provided for you here. God is the one who's given this to you. Kids, you ever sit down at a meal and say, oh, I don't really like that. You know what you're doing? You're saying, God, what you have given me isn't good enough for me. Really? Think about that. I, you know, I have to check my heart. Is it God who has given this to me? Is it God who has provided for me? Is it God? Because here, God has given me this house. God has given me this place. Should I always be looking at the horizon? Is there something better out there? No. Stay there. There is nothing better. Because what is better? Better is temporary. Better is earthly. Better is shallow. Don't look for something easier. We do this too. I do this sometimes. I'm in a job. I remember we were when I was uh, re-landscaping my backyard, <laughs> I was pulling out, river rock and river rock and river rock and how many times did I stand there and say, oh, there's got to be an easier way other than the rake and the shovel and the bucket to sift it out. Like, oh, that was awful. But you know, every time that I stood there leaning on my shovel um, thinking there's got to be a better way, you know what wasn't getting done? (laughs) The work. That doesn't mean you don't try to think of a better way. But that means you you keep doing the work. We don't go to an easier place just because it's easier. Because sometimes hard means that's where you need to be. That's what you need to be doing. Not just hoping for something easier. Not just looking for something easier. Not just looking for something better. Not just having your eyes on the horizon. But getting to the work that God has given you. Because as you do the work that God has given you, you will get stronger. Because I got better at doing the work that God gave me to do to get those, that river rock. That's why I don't put rock around anything. Because we can rely on God to put us in the right place. And then as God puts us in the right place, we also then actually do become a bit of an obligation. We become not a burden, but we allow others to participate in the ministry by providing for us because that's actually one of the reasons why does Paul praise the Ephesians for giving. He said, it's not because I want the gift, but I want the fruits of giving. I want you guys to grow. And so Paul accepted from the Philippians, not the Ephesians, Paul accepted from the people of Philippi. He received their gift in order to be a blessing to them. You guys ever wanted to give someone a compliment, really appreciated something they did, and then after you gave them the compliment, they said, it was nothing. It almost feels unsatisfying, doesn't it? Like, no, I wanted to praise you and now you deny me the ability to give you a gift. There's seldom a greater insult to a giver than to deny a gift. And so when Paul says that, and so what Kenny brought up is true, Paul didn't want to be a burden and so he worked, but when Paul was given a gift, what did he do? He accepted it. He received it. And so then we're called to do the same, to allow others to participate in the ministry to allow others to participate in the work of God, to allow others to participate in the call. Because as they participate in it, they become invested. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you enter a house and it's not received, the blessing is not received, do you still remain there? and Okay. Do you then leave the entire town? Not necessarily. Um, Whenever you enter in town and they receive you, so that's anyone in the town. But if the whole town rejects you, then you have to stand as a witness against the whole town. So you leave that house for another installment. Yeah, look for a son of peace. The rich friend. Yeah, then you look for the rich friend. No, (laughs) well, but (laughs) don't get into that. (laughs) No rabbit trail, yeah. I'll try to restrain myself. Does that make sense, though? Yeah, so if you're not, if you're rejected by this house, that doesn't mean you won't be rejected by that house. That means that you go back into the square and, you know, you continue to share the gospel you continue to exude peace, you know, give peace, bless people, encourage people. And some, you know, and we trust God to open the right door at the right time. And if nobody receives you, praise God, it's time to leave. Your work there is done. And so, yeah, good question. So then as we're doing ministry, and I say we because you're called to do ministry. You're called to do ministry. As you're interacting with other human beings, you're called to bring the peace of God. Some are going to reject you and some are going to accept. We don't... (laughs) And so what do we do? We bring peace. We bring the truth of Christ. We live it out ourselves And we bring it to the people that are around us. Not relying on ourselves to provide for ourselves, but relying on God to give us the words, to give us the understanding, to give us the knowledge. Um, And you will be brought into situations that are too big for you. And those are times when you can say, praise God, I can't rely on myself. So then you won't be tempted to rely on yourself because it's just too big. You can say, praise God. I'm not even tempted to rely on myself because I don't know what to do in this situation. Lord, you have to work. (laughs) Because oftentimes when I'm asked the question that I firmly have the answer to, I'm tempted to just rely on my old brain to do it instead of relying on the Holy Spirit to guide me in the words that I'm supposed to speak. So praise God that he trains us, that we can rely on him, that he works, that he provides for us, that he gives us places, that he opens doors. Because not every door is open right now but the harvest is plentiful. So let's take these things to heart and bring peace wherever we go. You say, I don't have any peace to bring. Spend time with Jesus. Grab hold of the gospel and apply it. Ask him, how do I apply this into my life? Guide me in this. Guide me in living out this peace. Teach me to submit and surrender. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for providing. We thank you for blessing, for working, Lord, for guiding, for giving us these instructions, giving us these instructions, Lord, that we might live out our lives in this manner. So may your kingdom come even through us then, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.